Well, good morning. Uh, very glad to be with you guys uh, this morning to continue in our series on family matters. Um, you know, I, I have been super blessed to uh, be a part of the family I have been, my family now, but even in the first 21 years of my life, as I grew up in an amazing family, I was adopted as a baby and uh, was just tremendously loved by my mom and dad, uh, experienced all kinds of great things. Um, I, I could go on and on. Uh, if you don't know, my dad Charles is sitting with us in the front row. He turns, yeah. Uh, he, he turns 94 this month. So, but I have nothing but great things uh, to talk about in regards to my upbringing. And a lot of the things I'm going to share today when we get into what it means to bring our best are some of the things that I was instilled even at a very young age uh, and took from my family growing up and then brought it into uh, my family that, uh, with my wife Michelle and our five kids. Uh, this is probably the mo moment where my, uh, my kids are getting all nervous because they realize I'm a storyteller and we're talking about family. I just can't talk about Matthew because he's on the sound and it'll get muted. muted so. But besides that, we're good to go. Uh, one of the things I want to point out as we jump into this is we're talking about bringing your best as a family because I honestly believe each one of us as a family unit can, can collectively have the ability to bring a strength to the body of Christ to those in our neighborhood and around us that can make a tremendous impact in the lives of people around us. And so that's why I've entitled Bring It Your Best. But there's something amazing that God intended or had in store for the family. Just something amazing. And, and I think as we look into this and consider it, we're, we're gonna be inspired through that. And, and my hope is that we end, we go, man, I, I wanna step forward in my family. I wanna connect more. I wanna move further in what God had in store for my family. I mentioned that, that I was adopted and as a baby. And so as I grew up and uh, began to hear about that, there was a point where I remember being in school and they said, hey, let's make a family tree. And so they bring out the thing and they said, here, let's start here, you write out this and then you can take it home. But it said biological mom, biological dad. And I just stared at it because I didn't know. And uh, it, it hit a point for me where I was like, oh, how do, how do I figure this out? Do I just... So I asked the teacher and she goes, oh, you're adopted. And so this turned into a thing where kids found out and made fun of me and blah, 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 it was a different story. But one of the things that God used to do this, I remember thinking as, as I grew that, wow, I don't, I don't, you know, people go, yeah, my great grandfather's father's father's father was, they were all pastors. They were all godly men. They were all, and, and I would think, and then there was me, you know, there, there, there wasn't this back heritage to link. And I remember the moment when the Lord told me that Tom, how amazing it is that this has been set up so that you can start something. You get to begin something for rest of generations to look back and go, my grandfather, grandfather, grandfather's grandfather, Tom, was, was this. And it helped change my perspective. And so um, a, a couple years ago, I had the opportunity to find out who my bi biological family was. Long story short, my mom had passed away from cancer, didn't have the chance to meet her, but I got to meet my grandmother. And I remember when I went to California to meet her and we were talking, it was a little bit, not awkward, but you know, I could tell she was a little nervous. And so as we began to talk, I felt the Lord nudge me and say, tell her what a great life you had. 
So I began to tell her of how awesome my mom and dad were and how they took care of me. And, and the more we talked about it, she, she got brighter and brighter eyed. And, and she said, so how long was it before you were adopted? And I said, it was almost immediate. And she had this big sigh of relief. She said, we were always afraid that you were in an orphanage and stayed in there and maybe never got adopted. And so my grandmother died like a year later, but it's like the Lord used me to connect back with my grandmother and help her release guilt off of her life so that she, she could not wonder and but instead be filled with joy. So we had great connections. And, and you know, we, we as a culture, we celebrate family. When someone gets married, we celebrate it, right? When somebody um, has a child, we celebrate it. We have parties and we do all of this stuff. And so in our culture, family is celebrated. So even when I got to meet uh, my biological family, it was a celebration. You know, you walk around, if you don't know, for me being adopted, I would look at somebody and go, I kind of look like that person. And then you look a little closer and I'd be like, nah. And so, you know, they don't have the nose, you know, I, I'm better looking, you know, just little things like that, you know. And, 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 and so you just, you just kind of look. But then when I met my uncle, we have a picture I wanted to show you. Um, when I met my uncle, I was like, that's me. This is my, my mom's uh, brother. And we stay in contact, talk all the time, connect. He's a, he's a great guy. But I looked and I go, there, there's my nose. That's where I got my nose from. And that's where I got my hairline from and, you know, all these things. And, and, but it, it's a celebration. And so when I look at uh, my family, both, and then even now my family, it's a place of celebration. And God has intended for us to be in family, whatever size doesn't matter, but to affect a change in our communities with the people we are and to experience what God wanted us to experience. See, there's different ways throughout scripture that the Lord speaks about his church and the way it should function. And God was using everyday examples to show his people how the church should be and family was one of them. And so when we look at some of those, there's the body. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12, just as a body through one, though one has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Just like there's this body and it functions and when we all work together, we can accomplish stuff. If parts of my body choose not to function, I can't run or I can't throw or I can't do the things that my body was intended. It's the same thing in marriage. You know, husbands, uh, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. And there's a whole piece on marriage and then Paul ends it with going in uh, chapter 532. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And then just to make sure we go, oh, well, I don't have to do that. And he goes, no, however, each one of you should also love his wife as he loves himself. And his wife must respect her husband. So he uses not only the body, but he uses marriage. And then he uses the family as well. See what great love, this is 1 John 3, 1, the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And this is what we are. 2 Corinthians 6, 18, and I will be a father to you and, I, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. He was using everyday examples to show people what his church should be like. And we have the opportunity in our family to give that example. See, in family, you see the best and the worst. And it doesn't matter. In family, one of my kids could be really upset and mad at the other, and we have to separate them, and 20 minutes later, they're best buds again. 
and they want to play. In family, you have one another's back. You pick on one of us, you pick on all of us. In family, you do things that you wouldn't just do to anyone. In family, when one's sick, you come to their aid. Not to get graphic, I remember the times that when I was growing up and wasn't well and my mom would rub my back. I'll leave it at that. In family, you put people in front. You take a step back. That's what we do in family. You know, I found this clinical study and I want to read some parts of it because this is amazing. It goes into detail of the impact of family in areas this is, this is current. So family is so important because of all the love and support it provides. Being with family helps construct principles and improves overall mental health. Spending time with family is key to a person's development as it promotes adaptability and resilience. Such key lessons can only be taught in a family setting, coaching each other and regarding life's up and downs. Family is what makes us who we are. A recent study showed that participants' stress, happiness, and well-being levels were better uh, predicted by their social circle strength than by their physical health data collected on a fitness tracker. This shows just how important time with family or close friends that you would call family is to your physical and mental health and why family is so important. The benefits of spending time with family is such a critical component of full, meaningful life. Remember, family doesn't necessarily have to be considered blood relatives. It could be close friends, siblings. But they, all those are in the, well within the realm of who you consider family. These, this is a list of benefits of why family is important. Health benefits, spending time, it improves mental health. It helps children perform well academically. It lowers risks of behavioral problem. It boosts self-confidence. It helps kids learn future parenting skills, teaches effective conflict resolution, reduces stress, promotes adaptability and resilience, enhances physical health, and lengthens life expectancy. It's like God knew that he was putting something together that was powerful and necessary in family. And we have the ability to walk in that in whatever state. See, this is a point I want to make sure we know. It's not how big the family is, but how big the God of the family is that matters. It doesn't matter if you're single. It doesn't matter if you're married with no kids or you're married with kids or you have a lot of children or you don't. The family unit is what you make that family. And as I said before, I remember the moment that the Lord showed me, you have the opportunity, Tom, to pioneer for generations to come of the heritage that you're gonna leave. You can either cry at what wasn't left or you can grab the mantle and go, I'm gonna make this happen. So there's a part of me that goes, look, I don't know what your childhood was like and I don't, I don't know how you were raised and I don't wanna uh, poke fun at any of that. I don't, I don't know what your scenario was or your situation. Maybe it wasn't a good uh, situation. Maybe circumstances were tough. Maybe you're like me. I don't even know who my biological dad is. No idea. But I have a moment now. I have a moment right here and right now with whatever the family God has given me to make a change and do something that sets the tone for generations to come. That's what we have. 
So it doesn't matter how big your family is or how small. You may be in a family where where you're a child and you're like, I'm a part of this. Yeah, but one day you're gonna step into your own family. Pave the way now with what you do in the current family that you're in. So I wanna dive into what it means in bringing your best and how we do that. Because you were called as a family, no matter what size, to bring your strength, your best, in your family for the benefit of God's kingdom. So I'm gonna give you three practical steps to do in bringing your best. Number one, identify who you are. Identify who you are. Let God lead you in identifying who you are because the collectiveness of your family, however many there are, is what's gonna bring you to the place of knowing who you are. Listen to John 16. I love this passage, 13 through 14. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. He's not gonna speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And so it's Jesus going, the Holy Spirit is gonna teach you. He's gonna show you. He's gonna guide you from here on out. And so part of this identifying who you are is considering calling, is considering gifting, collecting prophetic words. What is it that the Lord is saying? And so today I wanna share a little bit about what we found as a family and how we came to that conclusion. Everyone is uniquely different. The cool thing about this, there's no wrong, right? If I go, this is who we are as a family, you don't have to go, well, I guess I gotta be that. No, you don't. Be who you are. I love to tell people this, be you because everyone else is taken. In your family, be you. Collectively, be a family because all the other families are taken. Be, be you. So I wanna talk about one of the things we identified who we were. We realized pretty quickly that we're leaders. Words that were spoken over our family. Our kids were always put in leadership positions. I remember this one time, uh, we, Michelle and I had taken our kids to the park. And um, we got to the park and there was a ton of kids playing and there was this one, I don't remember what it was, it was kind of like a merry-go-round, but a swing and it was this weird contraption that I'm like, I don't know how an insurance company said that would be a good toy for a, you know, for a playground. But nonetheless, there's this toy and there's kids getting on it and kids are trying to run up and bigger kids are spinning it too hard, so kids are flying. I'm like, this is great. Get some popcorn, babe, you know. But, and so we just send my kids in and we're talking and I look over and all of a sudden I notice that all of the kids that want to get in this ride are in a line. I'm like, what are they doing? And my daughter Amaris is at the front of the line and she's like, hey, we're going to go five at a time because there's five spots to hold on. And this is where we, and so all the kids are lining up. And I remember this one kid walked up and goes, you're not my mom. And she goes, get to the end of the line. And so the kid's like, okay. He gets at the end of the line and he waits his turn. And I remember Michelle and I are just cracking up laughing. And the first thing that popped in my mind was, yeah, the Lord said we were leaders. You start to see what the Lord is speaking. If you'll look, it happens all over the place. We used to, uh, another scenario, we were 
in a, uh, just moved to a neighborhood and, and our youngest, Katie and Joe, they're trying to make friends and stuff like that. And Joe's making friends in the neighborhood. And then the next thing you know, there's like five or six kids. They're all different ages and they're just following Joe wherever he goes. We'd be home and they'd come knock on the door and, and hey, is Joe here? Hey, is Joe here? I'm like, how old are you? They're like four? I'm like, Joe's like nine years old. Okay, Joe, and he's like, oh, we just do things together. And he, he wanted to make sure that all the kids were included and did things. And whatever neighborhood we're at, I'm telling you, kids always come to the door and knock. Duh, duh, duh. Hey, is Joe here? Sometimes I look at Joe, he's like, uh, you know. It's because we're leaders. We're leaders. We're, you know, we're going to lead something. And so put together with that is I want to teach my kids what it means to be godly leaders and how we lead in the way that God intended us because they're going to lead regardless. I have other stories of all of my kids being in positions where they just took the lead on something. Well, I'll do this. Why? Because we're leaders. We're called to lead. So we do things. Another thing that we are is we're pioneers. We, we start things. It seems like my kids cannot do the same thing as another one. Right? We just sent Hope off. She, she went to Spain because she got the Fulbright Scholarship and she's going to teach in Spain and, and be there for a year. And she's not even there yet. And they're asking her, would you stay a second year? And you know, no one else has studied abroad and done this. And Hope's like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Matthew has started businesses. You know, all, all of, we pioneer. We've planted churches. It's just what lives in who we are. We pioneer. It's, it shows, in, like, so I have this piece of property that, we hunt on and stuff like that. And I remember taking the kids out there. And so we have a road, you know, that, that the fire department put in so you can get around. And I'll t- every single one of my kids, we go to the bottom, you know, it's, it's, and it's a little walk back and it's uphill. And so the road goes like this. And every single one of my kids, like, are you ready to go back? They go, can we go this way? I'm like, why, why can't we take the road? There's no ticks on the road. There's no snakes. There's no, and they're looking through. I go, I bet you this way is quicker. That's what a pioneer does. He just looks for another route. It's like, this is, can we just stay on the road? No, let's go through. Come on, dad, let's have some fun. You know, and it's just what lives in a pioneer is to do something new. We're pioneers. Another thing we are is we're empowered. We're very clear that we're empowered with the Holy Spirit. We're empowered with the gospel of the good news. And we're empowered with the testimony. So there's things that we engage in all the time. It just seems like anytime we're involved and and talking about those things come up. The number of times my my kids have been somewhere and shared the gospel and led someone to Jesus and invited them to church and an opportunity came up, even even to the point where they go, oh my gosh, my friend just asked me, what do I need to do to get saved? I'm like, tell them, share with them because that's just who we are. We're empowered with that. Another thing I noticed about our families, we, we help others. We're helpers. In everything that all of my kids do, I always find them drawn to help. If we're not careful, we'll have 50,000 animals. <laughs> Seriously. Because they, they're going to help something. Hey, Dad, there's a cat and it's... Psh, psh, I'm sorry, I'm losing you. Psh, psh. <laughs> Happens all the time. Because, because we help. The collectiveness of our family, this, these are the attributes that all of us have. It, I remember one time we put my daughter on a plane so she could go meet her favorite author. She went to DC, she was 16 years old at the time. I thought this is the craziest thing we've ever allowed one of our kids to do. And the Lord spoke to Michelle and said, if you're gonna have extraordinary kids, you gotta make extraordinary decisions. 
So she goes and meets the author and they talk and he gives her an autographed book and she's so excited on the plane ride back, she starts speaking with the woman on the plane. Long story short, her daughter loves the author too. She gives her the signed book and says, would you bless your daughter with this? It's just what we do. It expresses itself in so many things. So number one, identify who you are. Don't try to be something different. If you look and you ask and you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you, he's gonna show you, it's all around you. Consider your children, consider your family. What, what do we bring when we go somewhere? And look, I, I know there's always the jokes, you know, we bring crazy Uncle Harry or whatever, you know, and all those things. But you know what? We have this opportunity as a family unit to affect a change and God intended family to be powerful. That's why he told his church, look at the family like a son and a daughter, like a father and a mother. This is what I have in store for you. So identify who you are. Number two, determine what you do. See, when you identify who you are, it makes it easier for you to determine what you do. So here's some things, just as an example, this is what we do. We say, bore six, step in front. What does that mean? We step out, we don't wait. You know the, the funny thing where everyone's in line and they say, who wants to volunteer? And everyone takes one step back and there's one person left. We've always said, let's be the people that step up and go, I'll, I'll do it. Hey, I need help to do that. We could do that. Hey, is anybody available to, yeah, we could do that. Why? Because that's what we do. Because of who we are, we decide we're gonna step in front. Another thing we do is we, we give. We give of our time. We give of our talent and our treasure, whatever it is. So my children is always, we've always served in some capacity. If anybody's gonna serve, we always say Borsic serve. That's what we do, that's who we are. And so if there's a need in the church, if there's a need in the community, if somebody needs something, if there's another family in need, we just step out, that's what we do. That's what families do. Another one that they love is Borsics go last. You go, how do you step in front and go last? Because you step in front when there's a need and you go last when it's time to eat. We used to always say, Borsix, go last, except on your birthday. <laughs> on your birthday, you go first. Everyone else goes last. <laughs> we don't fight over the last, like, no, I gotta be last. No, it's just we let everybody else go. And I remember teaching my kids. They'd get up there and they'd go, see, I knew if we were gonna go last that all the good stuff would be gone. They go, yeah, sometimes that's what happens. We'll grab ice cream on the way home or we'll, or we'll do whatever. But I wanted to make sure that the idea of me first and that preference we just kept giving it and setting it aside to be who God's called us to be. Another thing we do is we used to say Borsic speak life. We build up, we don't tear down. So it's funny, even today we'll be in a situation where we talk at the table and someone will make a little comical get, you know, dig, oh, blah, blah, blah. And everyone goes, Vroom. like that just come out of your mouth? When the kids were really young, we used to go, hey, we don't say stupid. You don't call anybody stupid. It was just the word that they used. And so, if I was watching TV or something, I'm like, oh, that's a stupid call. It was like, dad, we don't say stupid. I'm like, it's the call, not the person. We speak life. Speaking life for us is that when we have opportunity at a, at a birthday or at a gathering, we ask the kids prayerfully consider what the Lord would have you share because we want to bathe everything in life. And so we're getting prophetic words. So as a result, a lot of our kids have a strong prophetic gifting because, and there were times when we sat in the room and we were like, hey, let's pray and ask the Lord. And what'd you get? I don't know. 
And then people began to share and the kids shared and, and then it became a culture in which we did. So when we have birthdays, that's what we say. And the kids share, this is what I feel like the Lord's saying about this year, or this is what I see happening for you, or the Lord gave me this picture. That's just part of what we do because we wanna speak life into our family. And then the last thing, what do we, what we, what do, we do is we, four, six, go where and when God says. Wherever he wants us to go, we go. And whenever he says go, we go. See, when I gave my life to Jesus, all my preferences died with it. I said, I just lay it down, Lord. I don't, people go, where's the, if you could live anywhere, where would it be? I go, Johns Creek, Georgia, right where I live. Peachtree Corner, right here. That's my favorite place. Why would I want to long for a place that God hasn't sent me? Would I love to go to Hawaii? Sure. I'm not going to long for it unless the Lord goes, hey, Tom, right? <laughs> I, I want to be, <laughs> be right where the Lord has me because that's the sweet spot, right? Doing what he's called you to and the way that he's called you to with the people he's called you to, there's nothing better than that. Have we moved a lot? Yeah. It's part of who we are. It's what we do. So in bringing your best, identify who you are. Secondly, determine what you do. And then lastly, this is a big one for me, build memorable monuments. I wanna read a passage before I talk about this. One of my favorite passages. I don't have an unfavorite passage, just so everyone knows, because I say I have a favorite. Joshua 4. Starting in verse one, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder. Time out. He didn't say a pebble, a shoulder. The only thing I carry stuff on my shoulders was too heavy to carry the other way. So he goes, go get a stone, a big stone, carry it on his shoulder. According to the number of the, of the tribes of Israel, <clears throat> excuse me, to serve, Serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. He goes on to say, so the Israelites did. They took the 12 stones from the middle. They put it out as he said, and then it ends. They carried the Ark and it stood there until this day. And I love this story because the implication is this great thing is happening. The Jordan's at flood stage. The Jordan's at flood stage. How are we going to get across? The Lord says, step in there. They do. It's backed up. They go across. And then he goes, go get the biggest stones and put them out. 12 stones. That's going to be a big monument. And the reason they did that is because there's the temptation or the possibility that they're going to forget as time goes on that the Lord did that amazing thing. And he said, so put the stones out there so that potentially your kids are going to go, hey, dad, what's with the stones? And you go, oh, let me tell you about this. And then you get to share what the Lord did. 
And so this is something our family has done to help us in those moments. We build memorable monuments. I, I just wanna share three that we have at home because this helps us to continually speak to our family the things that God has done. So the three we have is right when you walk in my house, I have a big metal sign and it says, he restores the years the locust have eaten. Because when I left Texas, uh, a guy prophesied over us that now begins the year of the Lord restoring what the locusts have eaten. And I wanna be reminded of that when I come and go out of my house. And I want my kids to be reminded of it when they come and go out of their house. You know, being in ministry, to be honest, you sacrifice. Our whole family has sacrificed a lot, moving and other things. But I wanted them to see and to know who God is through that sign. So it's right there in our face every time we walk in and out. It speaks to, it's a memorable monument that we've put up. Another one is we've put up a scripture on another wall uh, that says, for I know the plans the Lord has for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. That's been a memorable monument to us to always remember that the Lord has good in store for us. And if you go in our front room, I had three paintings painted. There's Georgia, there's Texas, and there's California. Because those are the three states that the Lord has allowed us to minister with him through. And I wanted to speak of that pioneer spirit that the Lord has. If you go through my house, that's like the artwork I have. Those are the things that I have. When we were in Texas, I decided that one of the ways we could do it is we had these big flagstones that were a walkway up to our house and I, I bought a Dremel and I flipped them over and I carved in them the things that the Lord had done while we were in Texas. Don't tell anybody, but they're still there. But when we moved, I just flipped them over. So people have been walking on the testimony of God for a long time. I can't wait till somebody goes, where should we put these? And they flip it over and there's a testimony. Some of them are long, a testimony of God's goodness and what he did for a family that used to live there. We gotta build memorable monuments so that you're constantly reminded of who you are and what the Lord has called you to do. Because if I can be honest, life can be tough, guys. And I know you know this circumstances, situations, you move, you venture out, you do this, you do that, and it wears on you. But we all constantly have to be reminded of how good our God is, the faithfulness in which he leads us, and the things that he's done in the past. When I'm facing a huge mountain that's in front of me and I go, I don't know how we're gonna do this. The Lord always reminds me, he says, hey, Tom, turn around. So I look back and scattered on my life are the trophies of God all over the things. There's a mountain that's split in two. There's the skeleton of a massive giant that he had me take out. There's one of the stones that hit him. In, you know, it's just monuments that fill your past of the greatness and goodness of God. And this, and this is what I, I want to kind of close with, with this perspective. See, the beauty is wherever you're at and whatever you've experienced, today is a new day. Today begins a new journey in what your family looks like. I remember being in situations where someone would say, oh, you know what we did is this. And I would think, oh, why didn't I hear this when my kids were younger? Oh, it would have been so good if I did that when I was at this age. Or gosh, I wish I could. This is the cool. We, this is what's so cool. We serve the God who restores the years the locusts have eaten. So if you're in a place where you're like, gosh, my kids are getting ready to move out, it's never too late. It might look different, but it's never too late. Today, you have the opportunity to go in my family, in my home, 
we're gonna change some things. And as a good friend of mine says, don't boil the whole ocean. Don't try to change the whole thing. Take one aspect. Maybe start with identifying who are we as a family and, and talk it through. Maybe what are the things that we do? Maybe spend some time soaking before the Lord and go, God, would you, would you help me? Because the coolest thing is God has the ability to speed things up in a moment. You know, what, what I'm sharing with you took years of consideration and life and moves and God could give you a download today. Say, Lord, would you help me? How do I step forward? Because I honestly believe that God's heart for family in whatever stage you're in is for you to be blessed, for the church to have an example to look at and for the community around you to go, man, what, what's, what's different about you? Can, can I be a part of this? Can, can you tell me how this is? So in closing, I wanna do this. I, I, I wanna pray for a couple, a couple things and I'm not gonna have you stand. I'm not gonna have you raise your hand or anything, but I, you can decide in your heart. The first thing I wanna pray for is if there's anybody here who has a broken relationship with a family member, maybe, you know, like I'll, if I'm honest, I haven't talked to my sister, gosh, in 23 years because she, she didn't want relationships. So when I bring this up, I'm standing and praying for God to change something there because that's the God we serve. And if he does, in a moment, he restored the years of the locust of Eden. I don't have to wait for the same amount of time. When I met my uncle, good for, we did, it just, boom, it just happened and we shared and we talked and, and we call each other weekly. It's God restoring the years the locust have eaten. So if you have an estranged relationship with a child, with, with a parent, with, with, with a sibling, I'm, I wanna pray right now that God would move a miracle and reconnect that. 